0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Four Freedom Podcast in 2022. It is a new year, it's a new episode, and we got some new things coming uh, this year. We're excited about, but um, uh, we we had a good time, sort of relaxing, taking a break over the holidays. James, how was your uh, how was your holiday break? Your Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's.
1: Yeah, well, we had a had an extended time away from the podcast, and uh, we got to spend multiple times with the family. Uh, we were in Texas for Thanksgiving, and then we spent um, with my family for Christmas and Allison's family for Christmas. Her parents got COVID, and so they had to leave Christmas early, but we all did get to spend time together, um, and then we went to many, many different families. I think I put like 1,500, 1,600 miles on my vehicle uh, just in North Carolina, driving around, going crazy, Uh, seeing family, uh, having church, and then we went to Gatlinburg with our teenagers for the new year, Uh, rang in the new year with uh, Andy Minio and Skillet and all those guys, and just had a great time of uh, enjoyment with our teenagers and teaching, and really doing some intentional discipleship uh, with some young adults as well, so it was a great time with that, and uh, definitely got to uh, spend some quality time with our family, Hudson growing, getting older, crawling, almost walking. And so it's definitely an exciting time in the Saifert household. How about you, John? How was your time with family this past holiday season?
0: Oh, we had a good time. We, we were the Thanksgiving trip didn't go like we wanted it to. And we had the stomach bug hit my family before we got there. So we had to turn around and come back. And uh, and that was an eventful trip that was a quick two days. And then we were able to make it back to them at Christmas. and had surprised my parents and had a good time. Uh, there, love Christmas, love the holidays. And uh, we just we just had a good time, good time to rest and recoup and uh, think about things doing in the church. And then when you' doing some things uh, that we'll, what we're gonna do in the podcast and had some conversations about that. But you know back in the swing of things this week, back in the swing of things. and, um, and so we're excited about uh, today's episode uh, that we're yeah. starting off the new year with. Um, James, you actually, it was a different setup. We recorded this, um, last month. Uh, yeah. and so you tell them a little bit about sort of what was going on with you <laughs> that day that we ended up recording.
1: Yeah. So, so that was, uh, over some break that we had. And so I actually had Hudson that day in the office. It was a misplanning on my part. And so maybe Hudson was in there with us. You may hear him a little bit in the, uh, recording, Uh, But what you're going to also hear is I had a bad mic issue. I don't know what was going on, but my mic was not cooperating with my computer. And so there was some drawn out, mumbling, gurgling sound going on. Uh, So I limited my talking on the episode. um, And mainly it was John and Nate Brooks is who we had on. And we began talking about Church Hurt. And uh, he gave us a great connection with a future episode as well that we're going to be lining up with him and someone else um, and so I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, I was very preoccupied with Hudson. Um, and so just to forewarn her audience, uh, that if, if you're not going to hear me a lot because of that. But uh, it is a great episode. Yeah.
0: And so uh, we're going to go ahead and play that now. So here is our, our interview with Dr. Nate Brooks from Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte on his article that he wrote on uh, recovering from church hurt I do not
1: mean to be mean I do mean to be mad you obey your pastor if you ain't got the King James you ain't got hey if you don't have a king James you don't have a bible mm-hmm. I still believe it you be a cold day in hell before I get my challenge from a woman. I'm a preacher. The young preachers that do love God get pulled off in the is, and I'll fight it. I'll fight it. I'll fight you in the parking lot over I'll get personal with you. When you got dressed today, you dressed deity. this is the for freedom podcast a podcast that is part of the rfp network that seeks to bring freedom in christ from the spiritual abuse of legalism in the independent fundamental baptist movement now here are your hosts john hollyfield and james sacred
2: So fundamentalism is designed to uh, unpack the idea of authority from Scripture. The problem with that is that that's not the defining principle in Scripture. It is a part of Scripture, but the defining principle in Scripture is love. I'm not saying that all men who sit under the, the, that teaching will become abusive, but what I'm saying is the ones who are abusive will be drawn to that sort of teaching. I,
1: I don't want to give people just a
0: list of things they can start doing differently until they have a heart out of which they're going to be doing those things differently. Bitterness is different from hurt. I would say that hurt or even abuse does not have to result in bitterness. Yeah so we are excited today to uh, we're excited about the topic and we're also excited about our guest today uh, on the podcast and so we're having um, Nate Brooks uh, uh, to on the podcast, Nate, I'm sorry I, let me pull up your bio here Dr. Nate Brooks is uh, he's an assistant professor of Christian counseling at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte and I know for some of our listeners it may seem like we're going through their staff we're not intentionally going through their staff uh, to interview although that probably wouldn't be a bad idea um, but uh, Nate and his wife live in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they have two sons. Welcome to the podcast, Nate, and uh, and tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself and, and what you do.
2: Oh, thanks so much for having me here, guys. It's a blessing to be with you all and love the topic that we're talking about, so thanks for reaching out with the invite. Uh, yeah, so I'm an assistant professor at uh, RTS, uh, primarily focusing on, on training counselors and uh, pastors, how to... Uh, help their congregations with uh, the scriptures in terms of uh, growing Christ-likeness and being transformed. Uh, my wife and I uh, are originally from California and have slowly but surely been migrating east. And I think our next move would have to be the Outer Banks. And then after that, Iceland, I think, would be the next uh, habitable thing. So hopefully hopefully, we're, we're stuck here. Um, so we, we're members at uh, Lake Wiley Baptist Church. The small Southern Baptist church down here, and uh, my bio is out of date, I guess, because I we actually recently added a little girl, Alathea, uh, into our household who uh, keeps us slightly dabbling in insomnia but a whole lot of cuteness <laughs> as well.
0: Truth is that right? That's the Greek word for truth,
2: yeah, that's right. We we figured that if there's one thing our world could use a little bit more of, it was truth, that's and good. so we picked Alathea.
0: That's good. Uh, I forgot to mention our other guest. For those that are watching on YouTube, you've already seen it. For listeners, you may hear him, but uh, we got uh, Baby Hudson with us as well. So James has got uh, got his eight-month-old with him.
1: That's right. I'm on dad duty, and it's, it's exciting to eat someone else with an eight-month-old. We've got, <laughs> we're, we're having a baby boom in our church right now. We, now We've got, uh, I think, think, three or four people people pregnant right now, and so we're going to have a, a full nursery more here, here soon. It's to have babies around.
0: So, just so you know, James is with us, but he probably won't talk as much. He's got a different setup today, uh, but he's there. And um, So we, we've got uh, Dr. Brooks on to talk today, and he wrote an article for the Biblical Counseling Coalition, the Biblical Counseling Coalition website, and uh, they did a series on church hurt, sort of a mini-series of articles, and they had different authors write, and so uh, Dr. Brooks wrote an article titled, Why Won't My Feelings of Church Hurt Go Away?, and so we wanted, we read it, and James and I absolutely loved it. We think that there was a lot in here that could be helpful to those that listen to our podcast and part of the RFP community. And, uh, and so I guess I wanted to start off, uh, Dr. Brooks, with sort of asking, you know, uh, why, what's your experience and why writing this article for the coalition?
2: That's a great question, John, and, you know, one of the things that really has, has gained some attention in our culture is this concept of trauma and you know it's not a word that we see used in the biblical text um but but you know the bible was written to us as human beings and it expects us to come with our uh, our, our lived experience not as something that's determinative of what's in the bible or what the bible means but it's written to us as humans and and you know uh, we've we, we just kind of recognized being human that that there are things that can happen to us as people that have deep, long-lasting effects that, that impact us in ways that we struggle to understand. And, and as I did, started doing uh, my counseling practice, um, I began to recognize that there were certain kinds of cases that the trouble seemed deeper or almost uh, outside of a person's direct control. In a way that others weren't. So I remember one of the first one of the first uh, cases I did was a, a police officer who was uh, shot multiple times in a uh, uh, during a, a drug bust, and uh, it was fascinating. The only reason he didn't die was that his badge deflected the slug from the, the handgun. Uh, you know your stereotypical movie thing, but but realistically that is what happened. And in, in counseling him, just Kind of a lot of his feelings of panic of anxiety of insomnia of kind of hyper arousal hyper awareness of loss of, of all kinds of these things didn 't go away, and he was being faithful and that just i didn 't necessarily feel too equipped to, to to counsel him well and that actually led me to to, to do some more uh, trauma studies um, currently enrolled in a, a program getting a certificate and uh, from a, a Christian counseling organization that Focuses and and, and, and you know, it's, it's just because as, as I've lived in the cases that have, have come to me and even some events in my own family's life, you know, this idea of church uh, spiritual abuse and trauma kind of connected. And that led me to write that particular article. Um, and, and I've been doing kind of uh, spiritual trauma oriented uh, cases uh, for a little time now here, here in Charlotte.
1: Well, that's great. Uh... And you know, specifically, we have, have listened to our, a lot of our episodes, uh, but today we want to discuss church hurt. hurt. And as it relates to your, your article, uh, you wrote a definition that hurt coming from abusive leaders, mem- members, and cultures. Uh, we want you to sort of to unpack that just a little bit. What does that mean? How can we define that a little bit more um, uh, when it comes to understanding that hurt? from people that have been in been influential lives.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I had a, a mentor once tell me, uh, when we were going through some difficult church situations, that there is no church, or there's no hurt like church hurt. There's no hurt like church hurt. And I mean, certainly there's other things that can happen to us that, that are grievous, And the whole point of that comment isn't to, to undermine anyone else's, or devalue anyone else's experiences of difficulty, but really when you think of, of church hurt, one of the reasons it's so terrible, is because it takes something that's supposed to be life-giving. And honestly, uh, for, for most of us who are faithful Christians, uh, wrap itself around all kinds of different areas of our life, right? Like we we receive a lot of our spiritual nourishment from the church as we're designed to. And we have a lot of our, our close friendships in the church. And we have uh, some financial ties to the church, whether in terms of things we've invested or ways that people have invested in us or potentially being on staff, things like that is um, also kind of we're oriented around uh, the growth of the kingdom of God and his church is a significant part of that, the primary vehicle of that. And so even kind of how we design our lives our, our, uh, or, or what we'd say that the purpose of our life is, is, is wrapped around uh, our local church expressions. And, and so because of those things, uh, the issue of church hurt, it cuts deep. It cuts deep because it impacts so many different avenues of life, right? Like if, uh, you know, if, if I get in a, like if I, if I were to purchase a car and get swindled by it, it may hurt me financially and it may tick me off a little bit, but that's not the same kind of magnitude of hurt or trouble that, you know, church would be. So as I talk about that in the, in the article here, I define church hurt as coming from abusive church leaders, members, and cultures. So maybe I'll just take that one at a time. So when I say, uh, so church hurt is simply referring to the, the the damage and the feelings of pain that are done to you, that are done to a particular person. And then it's coming from abusive church leaders, um, right? I, I think one thing we want to be super clear on is that authority is not evil. Authority is not bad. Authority is something God designed. In fact, littered throughout scripture, there are commands for us to obey our authorities uh, and, and, to, and to obey with Joyful obedience, so that it's not terrible uh, being an authority over us. Right? I think at the end of the book of Hebrews is one place. And good, godly authority is something that God's given uh, to us human beings for our betterment. But in, in our sin scarred world, with sin scarred humans, sometimes that authority can be twisted. So, you know, a, a, a church leader becomes abusive, or church leaders become abusive when they begin using their authority for their own benefit, their own agendas, and not towards Christ. And specifically, when we're talking about spiritual abuse, oftentimes the word of God and divine things are used uh, in order to leverage uh, people's behavior, in order to leverage people's beliefs. Um, And oftentimes it can be cloaked in the language of kind of Christianity but its end and its goal is the exploitation of someone at the hands of a church leader. So that's kind of abusive church leadership, but that can also be done by members, right? Uh, members of a church can abuse a pastor uh, to use God's word to harangue him or harangue his family, um, uh, to exceed kind of, to, to, to expect things of him that God's word does not expect of him. And then when it comes to cultures, that's simply speaking of the fact that you know a, a church is a combination of leadership and members, and uh, sometimes kind of the of can get baked into a church that just the way that the church does business, if you will, winds up being exploiting to people who may or may not be members themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think that sort of um, this this whole concept is really on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. With you know the popular podcast, "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and, and you know I know there's differing opinions on sort of the take on that, but it is sort of shining sort of a, a light on on church culture and and leadership and abusive leadership. And you know I think one of the things that that also uh, complicates and compounds abusive church leadership is that a lot many times the the manipulation factor of that you you define it as that pastor's or that leader's agenda becoming the primary thing but it's real easy for them to manipulate the Mm -hmm. the attendees of 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 connecting his agenda with what God says, that, the direction God says that we should go. And so that confusion really can like just mess people up of them whenever they, they want to go to another place or go to another church. It's like, how do I know the difference between this is God's way and this is the pastor's selfish agenda? Right.
2: And I mean, oh, that's so true, and it's so difficult because you, know, you don't walk into a church and be like, yep, this is one that's abusive. It just doesn't wear it that way. Um, I I mean, I'm sure there are some that you could, uh, but, but for, for most folks, that's not the way that it is. And, uh, because most churches aren't going to put on their marquee, we exist for the glory of pastor Brian or whatever. Right. Which I'm, I'm pulling Brian out of thin air there. Um, that's not connected to anything I've ever seen, uh, personally. Right. But, uh, and no church is going to put that marquee there. And indeed, in, in, in Christian circles, you know, there are so many kind of stock phrases that play really well. And right. uh, you, know, you mentioned Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, right? You, you, you think of what that ministry kind of was, was founded to be, is to reach individuals who are primarily on the outskirts of church culture in order to help them see the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. That's a good goal. Right. But when the chips were down, it ultimately proved that that was a second, that was a means to accomplish a real goal which never would have actually been stated. Right.
0: Right.
1: I love, I love how you said uh, that, that authority is not bad, bad in itself. It's mm-hmm. all throughout scripture. At times when we get it, we sometimes lash out at authority and we say, well, all authority is bad. All mm-hmm. XYZ is bad. It's that typical pendulum swing we could get hurt mm-hmm. by the swing, swing goes through. all this is bad. Um, and it's good to recognize that it's good to understand that and go through, through um, these mm-hmm. things. So I'm glad you said that. I really, really helped out. A lot. John, John, what you about the next question? Go ahead and ask, ask him that.
0: Okay. So this is one that you, you started off sort of talking about about your experiences. And I think this is, would be a good time to sort of dig into this, um, because it's really something that James and I have not done so far in the podcast, uh, And we've talked a lot, we have talked a lot about spiritual abuse on this podcast, but we haven't got into this idea of trauma. And in your article, you sort of talk about uh, a concept that I have not actually, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen sort of said Mm -hmm. before. I I agreed with it, but I was also at the same time, I'm like, ooh, I wonder how people would respond to that or receive that. And that is the idea of like um, the big T or little t, trauma, as it, as it comes with spiritual abuse or church hurt. And uh, maybe you could unpack that a little bit more for us.
2: Sure. Yeah, okay. So uh, you're right. Uh, there's a lot of different responses to this kind of language. Uh, even in publishing this article, I had some folks say, don't use this language, and I had other folks say, use this language. Uh, so So we are kind of wrestling with how do we describe this? And and I chose to use the language that kind of has some currency out there in the circles of trauma and abuse care. Um, So this this concept of big T and little t trauma, let me just walk through it. So when we think of trauma, we tend to think of a large life-threatening event uh, where where someone perceives that they are going to be significantly harmed uh, or are significantly harmed, right? So to choose kind of a few different snippets of it. A big T trauma would be something, uh, when we say big T, we're saying like a capitalized T. Okay, so, so for those who are listening here, it's, it's just it's a capital first letter T, trauma, if you will. Uh, so, so something like that would be uh, anything from kind of perhaps soldiers' experiences in combat, uh, to an individual who suffers a violent sexual assault, to someone who was held at gunpoint during a robbery, and ironically uh, in the middle of writing this uh, article, actually I experienced a T trauma myself uh, where I was in a significant car accident with a deer going about seventy miles an hour, and uh, it was uh, something that was potentially life threatening there uh, had my windshield not held the way that it did thankfully right so so those are those are kind of situations where there's, there's a definite life-threatening situation where someone perceives that this could do significant bodily harm to them or, uh, or, or such. Uh, that, that's connected to post-traumatic stress disorder and how uh, there are certain ways that kind of the human mind, body, soul tends to respond to those events like that. Not every human does it, but, but many do. Um, Now, the the concept of little t trauma, and this is trauma trauma with a a lowercase t, little t trauma is an attempt to describe something. And that's that actually the majority of individuals who develop post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms have not had a life threatening event. And so you can develop the symptoms of this. And by saying symptoms, I don't mean to medicalize this. Per se, I'm simply saying that this is a, a pattern of human behavior, of human trouble. You can develop these patterns of human trouble without having had uh, a specifically life-threatening situation. And so, as, as researchers have, have sought to understand this, it's just the recognition that there are things that can happen to us—you uh, know, significant manipulation, uh, significant suffering and loss. That can produce in us trauma responses without us actually qualifying for something like post-traumatic stress disorder, which requires a life-threatening situation.
0: Right, and I think those are really good. I remember just listening to Curtis Solomon teach on this this subject, and he talked about how you know the, th- this is really this is really something that we, especially in the Christian community, need to not just understand, but I think I want to be careful how I use the word, but embrace because this is how God designed our bodies mm-hmm. and and our brains to you know in a sense to protect us mm-hmm. and and you know I, I I go back to this illustration that Carter Solomon shared explaining this and that is you know you, you have a soldier who is in you know in in wartime maybe over in the Middle East and um, is doing patrol. A bomb goes off, or an IUD, IUD it goes off, and you know all of the things, it's like his brain takes a snapshot of the mm-hmm. event. And so there may have been this thing over here. There may have been a person over here wearing this thing. There may have been a red car coming by right when it happens. And so five years down the road, he survives five years down the road, driving down the road in the States, sees a red car. All of a sudden... Mm-hmm. That snapshot right. comes back and those signals are going off. And so when we're talking about this in the concept of church hurt, you know, what you were just explaining can happen where somebody may have experienced this type of manipulation or spiritual abuse, but then they they think things are okay. They're going and they, they come to a church and then the pastor says one little phrase or mm-hmm. there is a hymn that is sung. And it's just That's right. It is the tense up happens. And it's like those are actually things, maybe it'd be the phrase or the hymn are actually really good, God honoring things. But for that person, yeah. oh man, it can be paralyzing.
2: Yeah. And honestly, uh, you know, I mentioned that my wife and I ran into a, a church that was not on the extreme side, but certainly uh, kind of mild to moderately abusive in some ways that we wound up leaving. And, you know, even two Sundays ago, we had a, a hymn sung in our new church that we love and trust implicitly. And the hymn popped up and instantly inside of myself, the feelings were there of what it was like to be at that previous church. Because that hymn was that former senior pastor's pre- uh, favorite hymn song. And we would, we would sing that, I kid you not, three times a month. Um, and, and even just the melody of this God-honoring, Christ-exalting hymn that I used to really love all of a sudden creates those same feelings as I'm sitting in a new environment that I had in the old environment in a way that is beyond my control. So what you're talking about there, John, those examples are are exactly right.
0: Yeah, and I I know this may lead into the last, but let's interject just a a, a tad bit. I want to throw us off course just a little. Nate, how would you say, what would I mean, how should we respond to those things? I mean, should it be something that we should yeah. be like, you know, go to the church leaders, Listen, this really bothers me. I wish you guys wouldn't do it. Or should it be something that we say, you know what? There's really nothing wrong with that thing, but I need to start working on on processing this and and taking care of you know. You know what I'm saying, how do we is is it is it a problem on this end? Is it a problem on our end? Is it just the way oh, it is? Question. You know, how do we how do we how do we process that?
2: Yeah, and that requires, I think, a certain degree of nuance and care. So I think the first thing to do is to to recognize that it's not a crisis of faith in you, Mm. right? Like it's not a crisis of faith. I think sometimes, uh, you know, in our, in our Christian circles, especially we tend to think that perfect peace inside us is proof of godliness and any kind of upheaval inside of us is, uh, is is proof of ungodliness or lack of faith or something like that. That's really good. Yeah. And it's just not true. Right. I mean, you Perhaps Jesus's greatest moment of faith was in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's staring down the cross saying, I don't want to do this, right? In his, in his human nature, he's staring at this saying, I'm going to do it. But Jesus doesn't skip to the cross. This isn't a happy event for him. He sweats, uh, is in such turmoil that his, sweats, his sweat drops to the ground as if it's drops of blood. And I mean, my goodness, he's, he's almost undone there. And yet, is that not almost the greatest evidence of faith we have in Christ, uh, in Christ's life revealed to us? Yeah. And so, you know, for my friends that I, I counsel who are struggling with, um, struggling with, uh, with just the impact of spiritual abuse, I want them to understand that it's it's not a crisis of faith that's going on in you. In fact, the fact that you're there is sometimes the greatest sign of faith that I can see because you're walking into something that you know could be triggering. And we tend to avoid those things. So, you know, in terms of in terms of going uh stepping back to, to or being in a context like that, I think there's a couple things that I want to think through. So for the person who is struggling, I think we have to recognize it's not a trouble. If you are so overwhelmed by a particular trigger that you just need to step out for a little bit. It's okay, right? Like our churches are supposed to be places that are—I mean, there are many things, but they are hospitals for people who are struggling with all kinds of different things. I teach uh, classes on uh, on response to sexual abuse here at RTS, and I'll give a warning at the beginning of my classes: Hey, guys, we're going to talk about some detailed things that perhaps, if this connects with your narrative in some way, you need to step out for a little bit. That's totally fine. I'm not bothered by that. That's actually a sign of righteousness of saying I'm not ready to deal with this yet. Um, now. Uh, I think for, so I I wouldn't necessarily say, hey, look, as a church member, this particular hymn is triggering to me, so can we not use this hymn at all, period. Um, You know, as a church member, I still have a responsibility to the rest of the church. And if this is something that's God honoring, you know, it's okay for me to struggle and everybody else do well. Uh, We don't want to be so individualized in our Christianity that we lose the benefit of the church for the benefit of us. I would say, you know, as, uh, as uh, someone who's a leader in churches, But you know, if you're in a situation as, as a church leader where you have perhaps a significant number of people coming out of a certain context that join your church, it might be helpful to know if a significant chunk of your church is triggered by something, to perhaps step away from a particular hymn or a particular expression simply for care for them. You know, you brought up Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Spent lived in Pacific Northwest for about 14 years, so I feel like I have some investment up there. And you know, there were one of the one of the impacts of it. uh, I haven't heard the last episode yet, so perhaps they talked about this. Was that other churches in the area were suddenly flooded by, you know, there are accounts of churches whose members uh, or whose attendance doubled overnight because of refugees from Mars Hill. What do you do with that as a, as a church leader, understanding that you just have a whole bunch of people whose church blew up and uh, a lot of people who are, you know, asking all kinds of hugely significant questions? Well, you know, I probably wouldn't go and preach the Song of Solomon because that's what the last pastor did in a horrible manner, right? Um so, so as a church leader, you want to—I'll uh, go on record and say that was a horrible manner, right? Uh, <laughs> the, it
0: just, cool. just—I just—I I was a little bit slow on the <laughs> table. but that cracked me up, <laughs> right?
2: So you just—I mean, as a, as a church leader, you want to care for the people who are there, yeah. and if you have an influx of people that particular things are really hard for them, well, maybe we step away. History in our church, uh, in, in in church history, that, that that surely we can find things that are helpful for everybody. Does
0: that answer your question, John? I think that was great. I, I really do. I think that that was that was phenomenal. And um, and I don't know how long we've been we've been at this, but you know, if we want to get back to uh, to the article, uh, what would you say? Would let's say somebody's listening to this and they say, you know what, what you guys are talking about, especially the the little t trauma, that's me. You know mm-hmm. what? What would you say? Maybe some, some practical. I think this is sort of the biblical counseling, right? Hope and help. Hope and help. Yeah. And you know, we're always wanting to offer help, but we also want to have, you know, hope along with the conversation as well. So, yeah. what what would be something practical that you think that you could you could give them?
2: Yeah. So maybe just a few things. I think the first thing is uh, I do like the little T trauma language because it gives it gives words to our experience. And that's really helpful, right? So so questions may be rolling around inside of you, which is, I don't think that this new pastor is manipulative. I don't think he's a skunk. But man, every time he comes up and talks to me, my heart just flops and it falls down to the pit of my stomach. Why? Well, it's something of a trauma response, right? Because that's how you would respond to the previous pastor. Why is it so hard for me to... Uh, look at anyone in church leadership and and not have those feelings of mistrust well it's a trauma response why is it that why is it that i get a migraine headache driving to church every single sunday (laughs) physiological trauma response right um And and these things don't mean you're crazy. Honestly, one of the first things that I usually do for my people on counseling of the issue is just look at them and say, you're not crazy. And most of them wonder if they are. These are good, faithful people. In fact, oftentimes the people who get traumatized the most are the people who are most invested and most faithful because they're the ones who are closest to the fire and got burnt or were stayed in their deepest, the longest. So first is just recognize you're not crazy. Recognize that these are normal responses. I think the second thing is to take honest stock of where you are right now. Now, different events hit people differently and the level of trauma response is not directly tied to the strength of the event that happened to you. And so, uh, you know, um, uh, this just takes wisdom, okay? And, and, and I don't want, I, part of me, I, I wanna be really cautious in how I say this, okay? For, for some individuals, I think it's entirely appropriate for you to step away from church for just a little bit of time, go for a hike in the woods on Sunday morning, listen to a sermon of a pastor that you trust, and call it good, right? Now, that's not the end goal, but sometimes we need to step out and clear our head for a minute, okay? I've, I've suggested that, that to folks. This isn't a hard and fast number or anything like that. I said, hey, go do that for two, three weeks, and then come on back. I think it's a problem if we stretch it and never return to church. I think if someone, you know, two three years out, they're not in a church, and a year out, perhaps. But I would at least want to have some conversations about that. But it's okay. It's okay to go to another church and sit in the back of the church and not really talk to anybody and just be there. It's okay, right? Like, uh, in, in working through these things, being in locations can 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 be significantly destabilizing personally. And to give yourself time, to give yourself grace, be patient, and know that it will fade. I think another thing that's important to recognize is that, uh, you know, when it comes to trauma, the worst thing you can do is practice what we call avoidant behaviors. So, um, avoidant behaviors are, th- are are would be behaviors that you engage in to avoid being around things that are personally challenging. Now, we don't want to put ourselves in the spot that we're, you know, totally cracking up. But, you know, I mentioned that really significant impact with the deer. One of the things that I've, it's actually on the road in between my house and my parents' house to so live eight minutes up the road. And one thing I've been intentional to do is to drive that road several times. It was really tempting to go the long way, which is like 15 minute way and not go on that 15, uh, not do the shorter route. It's been really tempting to have my wife drive it instead of me when we're headed that direction. Mm-hmm. But I've intentionally done it because I have to work through that in order to kind of get past. The Valley of the Shadow of Death, if you will, in order to kind of return and and slowly but surely it's it's become more normal. I've driven it a couple times recently and forgot that I was there, and I've driven it a couple times and really kind of felt a little more panicky on it. But it's decreased from what it used to be, and you know it's important to go sit in church. It's okay if you're just sitting there, you know. Just corrupt in love involvement, and you want to you know you want to work on being part of God's people, but it may take time. And I think the third thing to recognize is that we can't simply will this away. Uh, You know, in working with individuals who struggle with trauma, they don't want to be there. And they don't want it to be like this. They want it to be joyful, to walk into church. They want it to be joyful. They don't want any inhibitions. But we just have to recognize that as human beings, we can suffer in such a way that makes it so we can't simply will the trouble away. And to be patient and to entreat the Lord's help. But the goal isn't to get rid of trauma symptoms. The goal is to be faithful in the midst of whatever we're going through. And sometimes faithfulness looks like Job, where we say, naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord's given, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And sometimes faith looks like Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. And other times faithfulness looks like saying, Jesus, I forgot to have faith. Help. Right? As Peter's drowning. And all of those are faithful responses. And that's what God looks at. So, you know, if you're someone that's been deeply involved in church, you know, grandchildren's ministry, led Bible studies, it's okay for you to step back from that for a while. It's okay if things never quite are the same way that they were, right? Sometimes we can be hurt in ways that continue to have echoes in us. Um, one of my favorite books out there is a book called The Cup and the Glory. It's written by Greg Harris. He's a professor at Master's Seminary, or was. Uh, he's retired now. And uh, he, he it's, a, it's a book on suffering. And one of the illustrations that he uses is he was teaching at a different seminary. And every single day, he would look out at the end of his workday at a bunch of beautiful hundred 100-year-old oak trees. Um, they were like one of the highlights of his, uh, one of the highlights of his teaching there. And then there was a, a tornado that came through and uprooted all of them and tore them all down. Mm. And he just recognized that, you know, things will never quite be the same here, not for another 100 years. I'll never see that again. As And as he kind of mourned, realizing that, he, he stepped out of his office to go to his car and realized that he could see just this brilliant painted sunset of the, Brightest oranges and deepest purples, and you know, just all sorts of beautiful hues. And he'd never seen that sunset before from that spot because the oak trees had blocked it. Wow. And you know, the he said, You know, I miss those trees, I do. And yet, at the same time, there's a different kind of beauty that I'm able to enjoy every single day uh, now because really of the tornado. And that's just something that I've always parked in the back of my head. Uh, and and given to folks I'll counsel is that, you know, the goal is not to get back to where you were because you can't. There are things that you've lost that you'll never recover. But what God can do is work towards building new pictures of beauty. And there may always be that tug in our hearts of things that we've lost. And and I'd be surprised if they weren't there because that meant that they meant something, right? That those relationships meant something. That church community meant something. You probably have a lot of memories there of kids being baptized or, upon their professions of faith or, uh, you know, just where you met your spouse. Those things can't be—those those memories have now been colored, and they can't be uncolored necessarily. But what we can do is create new, beautiful memories, other places that the Lord uses to help us and heal us.
0: That's, that's really good. James, do you have
1: something? No, no that's, that's awesome, and I think that those three points are really— practical very applicable of how they can help their life and uh you know just, just what you said about where, where your wife at you know me and Jim we shared our story of where we went to college and how it's different than it is and isn't and sometimes we question those things but we can look back and we can reflect on the good that came out of it mm-hmm. Good, mm-hmm. good that came out of that hurt my salvation uh in that, that independent best world old and uh just just the things that's uh, Michael Ministry was in the independent Baptist world. And so there's great things that have happened. Uh, and so I not to throw everything out. But there are going to be some times, times mm-hmm. where something happens and it brings brings back that memory, that hurt, that, that pain. pain mm-hmm. We try, we tried to replace. So I think that's some great stuff.
2: Yeah. Can I piggyback something on the back of that, James? Are you okay Go with ahead. that? Go ahead. Okay. Because I, I want to talk about one word that's become super hot in uh, the world right now. And that's the word, de- the word deconstruction. Right. Yeah. So, what you just mentioned there is is part of that conversation, because you know you you came to faith, you experienced a call to ministry, and ministered in, and uh, met your wife in those contexts. And you know when 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 something happens, or usually a series of things that happens, but but kind of when 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 stuff happens that makes us look with a different vantage point on that, we can start to wonder, was all of it a mirage? Was all of it fake? And, you know, uh, sometimes this word deconstruction is used to talk about walking away from, from Christianity. And, you know, I understand those who do, who stare at all of that and say, yeah, because this part of it was foul, because this part of it was putrid, because this part of it was rotten, I can't trust any of it. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of compassion for people that do that because a lot of times these stories of deconstruction are driven by horrible personal, personal hurts.
0: Right.
2: But we're followers of Jesus Christ, aren't we? And we aren't able. We're like the disciples, right? We, we stare at Jesus and say, to whom else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And... I think one thing that is important is that if you are walking these paths, have another faithful Christian to walk alongside with them, because when we're deep in the midst of uh, kind of traumatic events of personal hurt, of pain, uh, we all get kind of squirrely, don't we? Uh, We even see that with Job. I don't know exactly where he turns the corner, but it's somewhere in the 20s, somewhere in like Job chapter 20-ish. He starts going from God's faithful to how dare you. And we all have a tendency to do that, don't we? Where we we, we, we lose our way. And so if you're in that spot and you're asking those questions of, man, what if this, and, and trying to untangle things. I perhaps like the word untangling a little bit more than deconstruction. Uh, for those of us who are Christians, right? As we're seeking to untangle what part of this was legit and is true and what part of this was not legit and harmful. Have another Christian to walk alongside. Have it be someone who's mature. Have it be someone who's taken some knocks in life, and they will be able to help guide you in some ways. Don't find a 22 year old college grad who's become a life coach, right? <laughs> find someone who's been seasoned. You just of don't industry. understand
0: how sometimes those things just hit on point for us. <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, find someone who's been seasoned, who's faithful, who's taken some knocks about the head. And it's come out the other side. And, you know, it's a messy process to yeah. disentangle uh, our, you know, the things that were helpful from the past and the things that were hurtful from the past. Yeah. And uh, so it's wise to have someone walk alongside you. Yeah,
0: I can, I can give a personal example for that because I think James has been good for me because there's, a l- I tend, I have tended over the years to really look back and just like be hypercritical of everything that mm-hmm. I experienced. And, you know, James and I have had conversations over the past year to where as, as time goes on, I can look at more and more things that I'm thinking, okay, wait, that was a positive. And we were having a conversation the last time I was out there about how, you know, one of the things, my frustrations was that my theological education was not, you know, it was awful. And I felt like, you know, I've always had this desire. I wish I would have been able to go to a seminary and and get some of that. And, you know, our ministry experience thus far has brought me to sort of a realization. I said, you know, I think a lot of these guys, you know, that are coming from a lot of these seminaries, getting fantastic theological educations, but I think some of them are missing a little bit on just the practical loving people thing. And I was like, James, if there was one thing we did get where we were was how to love people and minister to people and James was like yeah you're right and it was it was one of those moments where I was able to you know and I'm not sitting there like listen I'm, my word is not gospel and you know uh, uh, an evaluation of all seminaries but what, what I, my point is is that I was able to get to a point where I was like you know that's that's a positive that I got from there
2: yeah absolutely I mean so I went uh, to some of the schools that I have attended in the past I would certainly uh, disagree with the, you know, theologically or even in certain cultural moves that they've made and, and things of that nature. You know, but every single school I've been to, it's taught me to love the Bible. It's taught me to trust what's in there. It's taught me to care about people. And I think you're so wise there, John, to say, you know, if, if we ever reach a point where we're saying it's all bad, well, maybe we've zigged a little bit too far and need to zag back a little bit um, because the, and especially in situations of church hurt, and this is one of the most confusing things for people, yeah. is that often ta- oftentimes the most hurtful leaders are the ones who have shaped us in sometimes the most helpful ways. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes time. It takes t- time to there Back something, and I can see how actually, in the the sum total of this person's ministry was not helpful. But man, I wouldn't be who I was. I wouldn't be who I am apart from the investment they made in me, right. and they actually built some things in me. Really helpful. and mean, you now is the part of me that is walking in rejection to the, the hurt that they did. You know, like if you have got a leader who burns bridges, well, you become and perhaps you become someone who really focuses on investing in the next group of leaders instead of hoarding all kind of power and authority to yourself and treating anybody who's a rival. In many ways, that's actually a response to what the Lord allowed you to learn first. Some negative examples that we see in other hurt you know i think over time the lord does help us see that we can't expect to have it all figured out six weeks after we leave it everything burns down it's going to take time and part of that is just acknowledging that we're not God, and that over time things will be more clear
0: yeah that reminds me of a, of a thing that uh i read in steve vire's book and i think he was actually quoting Wayne mack and that was the idea that, that time heals all wounds is absurd. But mm-hmm. to process and get healing from those wounds, it takes time.
2: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the books I assign in one of my classes here, the Putting Your Past in its Place, That's, I assume. Yeah. yeah, very, very helpful book. Yeah. Yeah.
1: James, do you have the, any uh, closing comments? Yeah, one of the, can you hear me? Yeah, One of the things that I thought was very interesting and I want to just say um, was that wife, when, when we went through our uh, coming out of the, of the IV, I guess you would say, um, she struggled with um, her former pastor. And I mean, that's who she brought to the Lord, his pastor's wife, the one that led her to the Lord, baptized her, her, everything. And there were things as far as the King James Bible that, was so dogmatically preached. And when, when he was using a version different than that, she went to him, we, we, we actually went out to Arkansas to meet with him because she said, I don't know what I can be anymore. As a kid, you said, this is the only way. And I believe that, That and now Pastor, my spiritual hero, is doing that, what else is wrong? What else is not right that you've said? Um, and it was a good time for her. But she expressed, expressed that with James. I don't know what I can believe anymore. I don't know what I can trust anymore. And, and so uh, it was simply just going and having a conversation and processing and looking through that um, that was that was helpful for her. And so, so I don't know what you were saying, but really appreciate that's
0: We have a time delay.
2: I don't think so. Okay. I couldn't right. understand most of that. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I think uh, I think I'll put like a thing at the beginning of the episode to say that we had some audio glitches, but I think that the content today has just been so worth it, anyways. And I think people will be able to get through some of the 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 recording difficulties because I think this is helpful, and I think that this is something that um, is a lot of people are experiencing and a lot of people are really thinking about right now, as we said earlier. But uh, uh, Dr. Brooks, do you have any final things that you'd like to leave us with today?
2: Uh, Maybe just this, is that when I'm caring for folks who are dealing with with church hurt, um, I think we need to remember one thing really clearly. Well, there's many things we need to to remember clearly, but I think one thing that's most hopeful is that one day our God will dwell with us in perfection once again and that our our imperfect churches here uh are a shadow of the glory that is to come and you know the, the the new church that you step into it will cause you hurt to some degree people that aren't perfect, there'll be challenging relationships at points, there'll be moves made by leaders that you may disagree with. It doesn't mean that it's abusive. It doesn't mean that it's manipulative. It doesn't mean it's the church that you were at before. And I think all of our church hurt points us back towards the fact that we are strangers and aliens here, is that this world is not our home, and, and that Our greatest hope is the realization that one day we will be with God in absolutely perfected bodies, absolutely perfected souls, surrounded by those who have been absolutely perfected. And so no matter how dark it may be, no matter the challenge, no matter the hurt that you're carrying, I would just encourage you, continue to walk forward in faith. And faith is ultimately the hope that one day all things will be made new, including you.
0: Thank you so much. And, uh, thank you for your ministry and thank you for your work that you're doing out there and and just, you know, listening to your story about how you came to this. I, I appreciate, you know, that you dug into the subject and you, you know, did some research and were able to, uh, provide this and, you know, God's work and working all of this together for someone to, to receive, you know, help and be pointed back to him. and So that was our goal. And, uh, I thank you, Dr. Brooks for being with us today, taking the time to be with us and, um, Man, I am so thankful that Doctor Brooks was able to come on, James. That was that was some really good material.
1: It was, and I'm looking forward to re-listening that. As you can tell, and as I said at the opening part, uh, I was distracted, and so I'm looking forward to re-listening to that and getting some nuts and bolts, <clears throat> and really be able to um, uh, process some of that information again. And so I hope it helped you guys, and uh, hope if you have any comment or feedback you want to let us know about or maybe there's a specific topic that you want us to dive into. Uh, we're, we're looking at some of those topics and we're wanting to um, capture those and really talk through them. Uh, me and John have been brainstorming on some things but maybe there, as we've been talking some of these topics, uh, there's maybe a topic that you've had a problem with or maybe there's a topic that you've struggled with in your spiritual journey that we can help you out with uh, during this time shoot us an email at uh, for freedom ministry at yahoo.com is that right for freedom for freedom at yahoo.com for freedom at yahoo.com you can shoot us a message on facebook or twitter and uh, we'll respond to those um or uh, if you go back to episode 20 or whatever i put my cell phone out there and uh, <laughs> I've, hey, I've actually had several people who've texted me and i've appreciated I know, it. I know. and i've loved being able to talk i've got a marine or a, a, a chaplain in Uh, Arizona, New Mexico area who's reached out to me, who's actually started uh, a For Freedom worship service. And that's what they're calling it, which is awesome. We definitely endorse that and we love that. And so uh, if you want to reach out to us, feel free, reach out to us at any time. We would love to have your feedback.
0: Yeah. One other thing we're doing too, just because of the business of our schedules, we just found that we haven't been able to, it's been a real struggle right now. Uh, with the busyness of ministries and how both of our ministries are picking up, to be able to present um, material or adequate material um, every week. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to go to biweekly. So every other week have an episode. And I say try because hopefully we can get that done. But what I'm, sa- I guess what I'm saying is, is that the every Thursday dropping an episode is not going to happen anymore just because we just don't have the time uh, to get it done. There's, there's, we, we value this. We're going to continue to do this because we know that it's, it's been helpful. But at the same time, we have to prioritize uh, different things and where God's got us in our lives. And right now, um, family and uh, the pastoral ministry that James and I are both serving in uh, have to take priority over this thing. And so uh, we're very thankful to everybody who listens. And listen, I'm going to say this. We're very thankful to everybody who has listened and then shared an episode to someone else that they thought it could help. We are truly like just totally thankful that you would think that one thing, well, that an episode that we've done would help someone else. And yeah. so we're thankful to everybody like that. Everybody in the RFP network, the guys for letting us be a part of that and have a voice in that, that area. So um, I know that maybe disappointing to some but that's where we are and you know hey if it comes out that things are just like lining up and we're getting interviews like this this we may do uh
1: week a week to week so yeah it may you may get four in a month it just depends on our schedule and how we're at and how we're able to balance family and stuff um and and there may be some one-offs where i have an interview with someone or john has an interview with someone or uh we come across a great sermon that we put on here uh, that helpful to us, you know, we're, we're just exploring some ideas and some things that can help, um, the hour load a little bit. Uh, and so we want to deliver big thing is deliver quality content, uh, to help you and to help uh, our audience. So, yeah, that's right. And, uh, I think that's going to be it for today. We're going to come back
0: again with another episode. We're excited about that interview, another interview that we recorded, uh, last month during our break. And so, uh, we're going to be interviewing Brad Bigney, the author of the book, gospel treason. Uh, But until then, until next time, James,
1: to God, not the pastor, be the glory. Thanks for listening to the For Freedom podcast. To find more content like this, please visit RFPNetwork.org. To find more podcasts like this one, resources and meetups to encourage you on your journey.